Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. OpenAI, the creators of ChatGPT, released their video AI model called Sora, and it broke the internet. And while its capabilities are incredible and while the intentions are good, I can't help but wonder, even though it's breaking the internet now, are video AI models going to break society? Welcome to Counterthought. OpenAI, the creators of ChatGPT, released a testing version of their video AI model called Sora. And when it did so, all of social media, YouTube, Rumble, other different streaming platforms just went berserk over the capabilities that Sora has. Now, while Sora is not the first AI video model, there are others out there. There are many actually who could create clips of podcasts just like this and other YouTube videos, just text to video editing, text to video creation. So OpenAI and Sora is not necessarily breaking new ground. But what they are doing, like what they did with their chat GPT model, is they are, I guess, just going above where everyone else already is, or at least that is the expectation. Now, you might be wondering, okay, what is Sora? Yes, it is an AI video model, but what does that actually mean? So what OpenAI says, and this is from, from their website, OpenAI says this about Sora. Quote, we're teaching AI to understand and simulate the physical world in motion. While the goal of training models that help people solve problems that require real world interaction. Introducing Sora, our text to video model, Sora can generate videos as of right now, up to a minute long while maintaining visual quality and adherence to the user's prompt. So there's a lot there. Basically, what they're saying is that AI, they're teaching it to understand and simulate the physical world in motion. And they have multiple uh, videos demonstrating the current capabilities. And I'll share one or two of those with you here in a few minutes. But with the goal of training models to help solve problems that require real world interaction, you could essentially say, okay, I need a, vi I need a video of horses running across an open prairie or something like that. And instead of you having to go hunt down on the internet, maybe some stock footage and pay for that footage or get your own production crew to go out and film that footage and rent the horses and the land and everything else, you would just type it into Sora, a video of horses running across a prairie, video generated, right? Let me show you what exactly I'm talking about. Isn't, isn't that incredible? Oh man, it's, it is, it is 
honestly, it is incredible. The tech person in me just like loves that this is even possible. And I'm thinking, okay, for this podcast, how can I use AI video editing? And Sora is not the first AI video uh, video tool. There are others. There are others out there. Um, one of them being uh, Synthesia, I believe is how you pronounce it, and that is something that you can just create clips. I could take this uh, long form video of the full episode, and it would just automatically generate clips to be used on, you know, in vertical format, like on TikTok and Instagram and and Facebook, or it could create smaller clips and stay in this landscape horizontal position that I could then upload for, you know, uh, future future clips for the channel here on YouTube or on Rumble. So the capabilities are are very impressive. And one of the things like it, like OpenAI says is that it will allow you the efficiency and the speed and cost-saving capabilities of not having to get your own production crew or to contract work with a production crew to get what exactly you are trying to get, like a, a plane flying over snow-capped mountains or something like that on a crystal clue, crystal clear blue winter sky, right? You know, that we won't have to go and, and outsource that work or pay people in-house to go do that, and which could save hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, depending on what exactly you're looking for. And this is only going to be refined. OpenAI says that themselves. They talk about how, you know, this is a red testing. Red team, red teamers are testing to see the capabilities. And yes, right now, not everything is going to be perfect. Like you may say something to text in there, have a, a woman biting a cookie. Well, at this point, the cookie may not show bite marks after the woman bites into it, but you know, that will be improved upon. And then you will see um, the bite mark in the cookie, right? It'll look like a real woman or the woman that was used to create this video who signed some type of consent form to use her likeness eating a cookie. But that didn't necessarily happen. That didn't necessarily happen. So there are definitely good uses to video AI tools. I just mentioned one, uh, Synthesia, like I could record myself and then I think I could then take the same video and automatically make it, make myself speak in Spanish, right? Reach a larger audience with this podcast. There are others out there that can do automatic uh, video clips. They will go through and read through, right? Just give it the time to read through the full podcast episode, the full length, say it's a 20 minute video, and then it'll determine what are like the, the wow moments, you know, the, the eye, eye catching moments or takes within the video and go ahead and produce and recommend clips for me then to utilize, like I said, on, on other social media platforms or even just shorter clips here on YouTube or Rumble. Efficient video production, right? Cost-saving capabilities. Now that also rubs people the wrong way, right? And a lot of people are worried about AI, not just video AI tools, but other other AI tools. People using um, AI right now, going through through resumes and creating better resumes, and um, and then also using AI to analyze uh, data and spit out, you know, like an analysis and and so on and so forth, and synthesize all of this information. And I've I've heard and been told, right, that we sh we as humans should not be necessarily scared of AI. What we should do is embrace AI, embrace the tools, and use it to your advantage. 
And then eventually there's going to be this separation because AI is going to become uh, so prevalent across society and across businesses that it'll there'll be a, a divide of those who you know adopted AI and those who didn't. Those of us individuals who know how to use AI and those who don't. So there's going to be this uh, separation, like either you're going to to move forward with the rest of us or you're going to get left behind. Now, specifically for video AI, when you think about it, you're like, okay, well, if I don't have to then get a production crew to go create this content, is that just going to replace everything? Well, not entirely. And OpenAI and uh, Synthesia say, say similar things. They're like, okay, well, you would still need the production crew initially to go create the stock footage. Now, will that always be the case? As more and more stock footage is created, as AI is able to generate more scenes and everything by itself, utilizing the information in the stock footage that it has, will that eventually eliminate an individual actually going out and filming something to then be used or replicated or iterations or iterate from? That remains to be seen. And that is what scares people like in the workforce. Are you trying to take my job? Is AI going to replace humans or is AI going to uh, improve the lives of humans? That is, that is the question. So on the flip side of the good is obviously the bad. The bad would be the usage for disinformation. Uh, creating social hermits because people are scared that something is going to cre be created of them or they will take down their social media platforms in hopes that you know uh, the public profile that they already had, the images that were already had, the content that was already shared on the social media platforms are not going to be manipulated and used to create disinformation campaigns, you know, used to smear someone. We recently heard about Taylor Swift and the video or the pictures and videos that were created of her that you know, that she came out and vehemently denied saying that those are not, you know, those are not real. Those are fake. Deep fakes have been going on on for years now in the form of video um, and pictures. And then what are we going to do to fight against it? You know, we don't, we don't all have millions of dollars, right? To hire lawyers and, and go after companies or individuals who could use this this tool the, the video and ai tools to to create disinformation to make it seem as if i said something that i never said one of the videos on on the synthesia site was with the ceo when he was on uh, bloomberg uk i think and the video segment for that broadcast started with one of the hosts of the program talking and then it cut to at the end of the video, it cut back to the actual host. And he's like, that wasn't even me. That was an AI generated video. I didn't even say those things, but it made it look like exactly me and me saying those exact things. So that is what we have to, to wrestle with. And OpenAI in the release on their, on their website for Sora, they, they address a lot of these things. They, they address and categorize it into three different categories. They have safety capabilities and, and research. And under safety, 
They state, quote, we'll be taking several important steps ahead of making Sora available in OpenAI's products. Right, again, they're, they're going through red testing. We are working with red teamers, domain experts in areas like misinformation, hateful content, and bias, who will be adversarially testing the model. End quote. Then it continues, quote, we're also building tools to help detect misleading content, such as a detection classifier that can tell when a video is generated by Sora. We plan to use include C2PA metadata in the future if we deploy the model in an open AI product, and it goes on. That's great. But I'm not sure if you've noticed or not. Things tend to go viral before any type of fact-checking occurs, right? That is one of the things that has come from maybe what was it originally intended to be good on on social media platforms, the sharing of information that is now seen as, as a negative, right? That's the definition of viral virals, viruses, right? Just, just spread, they go everywhere and it's hard to contain if you, you most likely can't even contain it. And if you did try to contain it, the amount of resources that it's going to take for you to contain it, which goes back to my point about, we're not all millionaires hiring lawyers for people who, um, you know, who libel and smear us and things like that, defamation. How are we actually going to contain a video, a deep fake video, something created through OpenAI, even if it does have these parameters, if OpenAI is able to, to infuse this within their tools and the same with other uh, video AI companies, who's to say that others are not going to use it for malicious intent, right? Where there's good, there's also going to be to be bad, that's true across all of society with, with everything, right? So, what exactly is going to happen when um, it is you when a video AI tool like Sora is used to to do harm to another individual? I mean, think about it. We're we're in peak election season right now, right? About to get through uh, the primaries and get into the general election, heading looking ahead to. November, where we're going to be deciding between, you know, Biden or Trump. But who's to say that the um, the campaigns will create a video that depicts the candidate saying something that they never said in an environment they were never in, and how that how quickly that can go viral, especially especially in today's society, right? In today's media, where where we see that those in, in the left media pick and choose, and this is media as a whole, pick and choose what information it is that you get to know about. You turn on the news, you only hear about stories that they tell you about. And we already see that there has been uh, nefarious acts taking place in the media, especially towards, towards Trump. But beyond Trump and going again, 5, 10, 15, 20 years into the future, Who's to say that campaigns aren't just going to be deep fakes? And we already have the the commercials that come out that are the, um, attacking the other candidate, right? Those have like truth to them, to, for, you know, more truth than what a deep fake would be than just creating, again, placing a candidate in an environment saying things that they never said. And then what you and me are going to sit there and try to analyze the video and detect its it's metadata to see if this is, or it's markers, it's indicators to see if this is actually um, a real video. No, it's going to go viral. It's going to contribute to mis and disinformation. 
not only that, but we've already have issues on social media platforms of um, girls being depicted doing sexual acts and just smearing them, right? The high schoolers we're talking about here, making it seem like a girl is posted in nude videos and, and everything, and then just, you know, trying to completely wreck her life present day and her life in the future. So call me, call me cynical, call me negative, call me pessimistic, but I am uh, very concerned about where this technology could lead. And the CEOs of these companies, especially the one for uh, Synthesia, said that we're just going to have to be vigilant. Yes, that is true. I agree with that. We will have to be, to be vigilant. But how exactly is our vigilance going to stack up against against uh, what would be required to actually combat the information. And again, these the definition of viral is it, it spreads, right? And you're not going to be able to, to correct whatever disinformation, whatever harm was caused, because you're not going to be able to get everybody's eyes on that saw the original malicious content to be able to see the the update, right? That says that that was actually disinformation that was misinformation that was false that was not real and going back to social media social media right now should be i believe a cautionary tale when facebook began and i mean i i was there it started in 2003 i started college in the summer of 2004 when i first joined facebook facebook you know the story if you haven't go see the movie the social network but Facebook began, you know, off the off the existence of the a yearbook, so to speak, at at Harvard, and it began with only being open once it was released to the public, only being open to college students because you had to supply a .edu email. You had to have a .edu domain for your email. And I was at the University of Florida, and I had that right, so I could join. And it stayed like that for, I want to say, at least the first two years. And then Facebook saw the potential and it said, okay, we're going to expand this. We're going to go from an .edu domain to open it up to like community colleges, right? So you, you know, it wasn't just a four-year school, a university. It was also then open to, to two-year colleges. And then that expanded to just the general public and now all hell's broken loose. Right, it was originally intended to be able to, to chat with each other, to post pictures, to interact, you know, the social aspect of social media. But as m well intended it was, Facebook and then Instagram and then Twitter and then others, we have seen the negative effects of social media. We have seen everything from misinformation to disinformation to smearing individuals, to the what is said to be, uh, you could argue strongly causation, but definitely correlation between social media and mental health issues in today's youth. Youth ranging from, you know, ages 10 through, you know, early, tw early 20s, or you can stop it at 18 and then you get into early adulthood, right? We have seen the negativity, the, the negative aspect of social media and social media should be, I think, a cautionary tale for this, this video AI and other AI tools. The intentions were great. 
for Facebook when it started. But as it expanded, and as more and more people got onto it, the good intentions also brought bad intentions. And I fear that this is going to be the same for these different AI platforms, these different AI tools, especially video AI. I've already getting comments right on some of my most recent videos because I've got larger reach saying that because I'm using a green screen that my background looks fake, which technically it is, but saying that I'm AI, right? That I don't look real sitting here in front of this green screen. Maybe I should use an AI video tool to actually give me better, better lighting and you know, enhance my background to where it's not just a flat image to where it has, you know, a 3D aspect to it. But I'm already being said, oh, he's just AI is just spouting things off. You know, it's like a robot, just just fake, right? Not even real. I'm real. I'm real. And yeah, those people are being stupid and all of that. But I can't help but see in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, the cautionary tale that we should have taken the lessons learned from social media and apply it to OpenAI and the other video AI video tools. And much to their credit, OpenAI and the other companies talk about ethics and safety because I think they do see what has happened with social media and they do see the negative things that could be that, that these tools, these models could be used for. So I give them credit for that. But much like a virus, I think once the bad actors get involved, that there is going to be no stopping those those bad actions. And that is why I think maybe in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we may not be saying that OpenAI and, and the other AI video editing platforms like Sora and Synthesia and, and those out there that can be utilized for good, that those weren't necessarily a net good for society and instead they have broken society. They have caused irreparable harm. But maybe I'm just a, a negative Nancy. Maybe I am just being cynical. Maybe I am being short-sighted. Maybe I don't have enough faith in the, the creators and the engineers and the geniuses that are creating these different uh, tools within the AI space. But tell me what you think. Leave a comment in this video. Educate me. I am new to the AI space. Am I being too negative? Am I not seeing the big picture? Is my view of the big picture, you know, looking through the negative lens when I should be looking through the positive lens? Is the positive out going to weigh the negative? Let me know. And I will, I will revisit this topic at a later date. But as of right now, as of right now, Sora, incredible as it is, and other AI video tools, as helpful as they are, if the technology is there for it to be used for good, the technology is also there for it to be used for bad. And I am going to err on the side of caution and say that I think looking back in 5, 10, 15 years, as much good that was brought to society with these tools, we will be saying that there was much more negative that has actually broken society. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe 
and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counter thought CEO or on Facebook at counter thought podcast.